1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
0: Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Nick Springer's back. Hey, ready to roll? What's up? Uh, did you come prepared with uh, the homework I signed on Friday? uh no oh okay no, i didn't also uh, i got you. a
2: haircut over the weekend and i know people can't see obviously because we're on the radio but i had a my hair was like the longest it had been in probably quite a while which wasn't that long it it was pretty long for me okay uh but the point is is that when you cut a lot of your hair when you get a haircut and you put headphones on again it feels
0: really weird <laughs> because normally it's like your hair is there but now it's not <laughs> okay well thank you for sharing that and for uh, people who haven't been in a studio or worn headphones before now they know now they know the important things that you have to go through Yeah, RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery Uh, David Lesky is going to join the show in about 35 minutes to talk a little Royals baseball we got the return of Case of the Mondays we have uh, a little Chiefs recap from their second preseason game more KU football superlatives bunch of KU football player audio that we're going to start sharing from media day today on the show right off the bat though um, obviously, this isn't game week for KU football. We are close. We are now officially well, we, well, like eleven is... days away. Yeah, eleven or twelve. I guess it depends how you view today. Do right? math. Yeah, but officially, we are in a week of college football. College yes. football starts True. this weekend. Yes. Now, okay. What? Where? What are your thoughts on? They technically call this week zero. I'm fine with Should that. Should this just be week one? It um, is. I don't know. No, I'm fine with it being week zero. To be honest. Okay. Well, week zero it is. There, there's only like a handful of games this weekend. None of them jump off the page. Like, there's no ranked games. There's, uh, I think, the only ranked team who's playing is Notre Dame, who's playing Navy, which is like in, I think, Dublin or something. Like, that's so, a uh, be kind of interesting, but they're like 20-point favorites. Uh, there's no games this weekend that are going to probably have like a, a heavy impact on the national scene, the top 25 rankings, college football Wait, playoff, New are Year's Are they Six playing Bowls. in
2: Dublin because they're the Notre Dame Fighting Irish?
0: Um. Well, I'm sure they have a big fan base there. Is part of the reason. But if you remember, uh, Northwestern played Nebraska there mm. last year. So I think yeah. they just want a game there for some... I don't know.
2: Grow Why? The game Do over. Irish
0: people like football? Maybe. I don't know. What's the correlation I don't know, dude. There? I don't know. They're you're trying, to grow, to, the trying to grow the game. You're trying to grow the game. You're supposed to know these things. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know the geopolitical implications of football being played in Ireland. I'm sorry.
2: Dude, uh, <laughs> side note. Like, a couple mm. weeks ago, I watched the uh, Rugby League Championship. I had no idea what was going on. Why? <laughs> That's probably why? when they're watching
0: Notre Dame Navy. No football makes way more sense than whatever the hell they were doing in rugby. You think that because you've grown up all your life with football. With with football it's like less free phone you have like the, and they're going to be questioning like why is this team running this weird whatever you call triple option and why is this other team <laughs> wide open? They're going to be confused. They're going to be very confused. Uh, nonetheless, I am officially very excited that college football is basically back. And to that standpoint, I feel like we are just around the corner from KU football returning. Yeah. So I want to get out in front of this. What what players are you most excited to see in real life game action for KU football when they take on Missouri State next Friday?
2: I think number one has got to be Daniel Hyshaw, right?
0: Okay. He's got to That's be pretty, a up, number one. pretty high up
2: there, I would think, you know, because of what he showed to start the season last year. Like
0: You want to see if he's the same explosive yeah, guy he was. Yeah, I want to see was. if he's just
2: trucking people and doing his thing. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Because, listen, I'm just as excited as you are, but the reality situation is KU returns like 90% of their production. So there's a lot of guys that you've already seen,
0: you know what they bring to the table. Yeah, usually in like openers or in preseason games yeah, it's with like, the Chiefs. It's oh, like you want to see the new guy. You want to
2: see this guy or that guy, you know.
0: I or think it's a shot. little different though in college football because there is so much progression from one year like, to the next. Do
2: I wanna see Jalen? Yes, obviously, of course.
0: But I know what Jalen is. Yeah, but I think Jalen also is so exciting to me that I, I it just agree doesn't with, matter. If if you're viewing it from the standpoint of players that you wanna learn the most about. Daniel Hyshaw, yeah, he's hundred percent near or at Daniel the top Hyshaw. of that list. There are a lot of newcomers that are near Mason or at Fairchild. the top of that list. Sure, Trevor Cardell. Hey, Mason Fairchild. Fairchild, don't well, you? See, isn't he, he in, the in the in same? Lawn. Okay, I see. But isn't that the same idea with Jalen Daniels? Um, Not to really. Me, I don't know. Maybe to me there is a difference though between players you want to see because, like, from my standpoint, for all we know, this could be our last year of watching Jalen Daniels. He might be back for another year. He might yes. be gone after this year. enjoy it. And if that is the case, that means you only get at max unless there are injuries you know, 12 regular season games left with Jalen Daniels, right? Yes, true. Or or I guess, I don't know, a minimum, whatever that would be. Um, Because they're playing 12 games. I I know, but if there's injury or or whatever, uh, if bowl games could add to it, right, the number fluctuates. Nonetheless, um, I almost view it as enjoy what you have because you don't know how long you're going to have it. So I would throw Jalen in that discussion even though if it was the column of how much are we going to learn, it's very little, right? If if anything at all.
2: Yeah. 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 Daniel Highshaw for me on the offense. Yeah. Uh Trevor Cardell's been getting a lot of talk. I'll throw him in there. Uh Quentin Skinner, you know. Is he gonna be more of a deep threat guy or can he do a little bit more? Uh Dylan McDuffie. There's one. there's a guy you haven't seen before. Yeah. What's he what's he you know, what's his role gonna be? Uh Devin Neal, obviously. I'm excited to see that. On the defense, Kobe Bryant, probably number one. J.B. Brown, Devin Phillips, Jeremy Robinson. There's a lot of good options here of guys that I'm excited to see. Oh, and actually, the true number one, uh, of course, Damon Greaves.
0: Mm. But, 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 I don't want to see him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you want to see him one time, but not in the first I, half. I do want to see him. Second half. I want to see him. You're up 35 nothing. But I don't want to see him six times. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, that's a that's a good one to have there. But yeah, you are right. Like if you do have the option between seeing him too much or not seeing him at all, you'd prefer not to see him at all in terms of what that would mean. I'm really excited to see the offensive line. Um I don't necessarily want to pick out any individuals. If I am picking out individuals, you know, I, I want to see what Dominic Pooney looks like shifted over to left tackle. That is such a big transition.
2: Yeah, I feel like you should you 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 have been the Dominic Pooney guy for a long time. Like yeah. probably before most people really were, mm-hmm.
0: you were on him. You were like, "This dude's good." I, I love then, me uh, some Dominic Pooney, man. You ended up being right. Yeah, and uh, now I want to see what that transition looks like because those are, those are even though it's one spot over left guard to left tackle, it's not that big of a movement. There they're they're vastly different in what you're being asked to do. Some of your pass blocking stances. I really want to see what he looks like. He he is near the top of the, the list for me. But I think offensive line as a whole, how does that unit look meshing together? Are they creating big holes in the running game, even on just standard running plays? Are they protecting the passer similar to what we saw last year? I really want to see that offensive line. I don't know that I'm in the Missouri State game really hampering to see which receiver steps out. Quinn Skinner. But, like, if one of the receivers has a five-catch, 100-yard game, I don't think we're going to come in on Monday and be like, well, it's clear he's the guy. I think we're just going to be like, well, that specific game, it was that guy, you know? Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think we're going to learn more about the receivers in, like, week two and on. So for the FCS game, Missouri State. What's the difference between one game versus another game? Because the FCS game, for one, it's just the level of competition is different. Two, you think of Illinois being a really good defense, Man, disrespecting if, the Bears. Well, I, Illinois on the ESPN SP Plus is a top ten preseason defense in the country. Yes. So you're going to be in a game where points are not going to, no longer going to be at a premium. It's a perfect opportunity. To be like, which guy does Jalen Daniels trust? Because there are going to be key moments in the game, key third downs, where it's like, this is who he's going to. In okay. the FCS game, everybody should be open. You
2: Rank know what I mean? who do you think Jalen Daniels trusts most of them right now? Because um, I funny. think there's a clear number one.
0: Well, based on trust level, like we saw him, ever since he was a true freshman, have a great connection with Luke Grimm.
2: Yes. I think that's clear So I'd probably one. lean that. Yes, number one.
0: Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think the tight ends. Like, I don't know how much we're going to learn. I guess we've heard a lot of good things about Trevor Cardell kind of breaking out. So let's see like what that looks like on the field. That's yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. Mm. I Most of it is defense. Most of it is defense when we're talking about like players to be most excited to see. Yeah. Jeremy Robinson, Jamie yeah. Brown, Jeremy, Jeremy Robinson. Bryant. Do you look like that guy? Because Lonnie Phelps, he had what? Three sacks in the game against He had four the rest of the way, so it's not necessarily that the three sacks were indicative that he was going to have three sacks another time or that he was going to have double-digit sacks that season. But it was indicative in that first game that clearly... If you uh, needed uh, a a guy that could break a play... He was your guy. Well, it's like if it was that easy, also like no other KU players had three sacks, right? So it was clear that at that point he was the best player on the KU defense. Do we see something similar with Jeremy Robinson where it's like, okay, even if it's it's not clear how impactful this game is going to be for the rest of your games, it was clear on this day where all of the defenders got to play the same offense. You were one of the best players. That would, I think, be impactful to see what he looks like. I think the, the defensive line as a whole will just be super intriguing. What machinations of it are they working about? Uh, who's playing with who? Who starts at the other defensive end spot? Right? I mean, it seems like there's been a late push by like an Austin Booker. Uh, how much do we see like Dylan Brooks or Patrick Joyner or Hayden Hatcher? And then defensive tackle. Uh, I, I continue to, to hype up this defensive tackle group. Let's see it. Let's see what it looks like on the field. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a lot of
2: defensive tackles I'm interested in seeing too. No, Yeah, I, I feel quite a bit better about the D-tackle room than I did three weeks ago. <clears throat> simply. Play, simply put. So uh, you know, Devin Phillips, I think sounds like he's the real deal. Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers, Gage Keyes has a lot of length. There's there 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 was always some things to like about it. I think just maybe earlier on in spring and summer that was it was more of a concern. But you know, if those guys put it together and they they are at as advertised, especially the transfers, you feel better. Like I said, I I feel better about that than I did. A month ago. Two mm-hmm. months ago.
0: Yeah, I I'm expecting Devin Phillips and you know Tommy Dunn, DJ Withers, Gage Keys, like these guys to, to play well. And so you have to play well in a game like this. That's the one thing. Where it's like if Jalen Daniels, because he is proven, if he goes out there and in this game randomly had three interceptions, it'd be like, Well, that wasn't ideal, but like I expect him to be better than that moving forward and that sure. not to continue, right? Sure. If the defensive tackles or the defensive line in general against Missouri State struggle and you're not getting push up front, you're not creating havoc, you're not getting tackles for losses, sacks, at that point you start to worry.
2: Yeah, it's it's the classic case of you will learn or your feelings will be influenced more by a bad game than by a good game. Like if they go out and have a good game, we'll roll in on Monday and be like, "Yeah, good job, guys. Mm-hmm. You beat up on some FCS players. Now go do it against Illinois." But if they have a bad game against Missouri State, we're gonna roll in on Monday and be like, "This is a disaster. We're screwed. This is really bad." You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the 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 type of game they have is more. In, it's more influenced if you have a bad game versus if you have a good game against FCS.
0: Yes. So that kind of adds to the watchability of it too, where it's like. Even though the guys I'm most excited to watch, it's just I'm excited to watch to see, like, just please don't fail. Please don't. Exactly. Which is kind of a different way of watching.
2: Exactly. Like, if you have an average game against FCS, it's like, yeah okay, whatever. But if you're bad, panic button.
0: Mm-hmm. I do think also, like, the most improvement that a team will make is from week one to week two over the yeah. course of the season. Like, once you're actually in season. Oh, yeah. Um, But still. Still. And then uh J.B. Brown. I, I don't know if he'll start. Might be Rich Miller, Taiwan Barry Hill, Craig Young, at this point in time. I know Barry Hill's been been dealing with some injury stuff over the course of camp. Um, I think a lot of the defenders have probably had to deal with some injury stuff over the course of camp. Yeah. So we'll see if that, that ends up giving extra reps in camp to JB Brown that allows him to maybe be a starter. Either way, I wouldn't be shocked if you look up at the end of the day and like the snap counts of specifically with Miller, Barry Hill. And uh, JB Brown are all within you know five ten snaps of each other. They're rotating in for each other, but I want to see what it looks like. We heard the, the audio from Matt Gildersleeve last week, and he was talking about how he's well like squatting six hundred pounds and doing all this ridiculous weight lo- or, or weightlifting stuff. That Gildersleeve said he's just like a freak athlete. He we have heard from a bunch of different players that he's like the hardest hitter on the team. Yeah, he's someone that I want to see in game action. I'm I'm starting to hype myself up that he if if everything clicks like. If he gets the full understanding of the playbook and the scheme and the comfort with the staff, what he's being asked to do, and he has the consistency. That's that's a huge thing for the staff. They're always, they're always harping on consistency. The guy who's gonna play consistently at a B level is gonna play more than the guy who hits his A level more but is is on his C level more. They care about the consistency. If he can hit all those things, I'm getting really excited that JB Brown can be like a big impact player on the defense.
2: Yeah, what if JB Brown is this year's Lonnie Phelps? Is the guy that is That impact pop guy, that guy that comes in and can be an impact player. You know, like we talked about it, when it comes to the defense, defense, like not all sacks are created equal, not all tackles for loss are created equal, things like that. You need a guy who on third and eight, third and nine, third and seven, whatever, you need a guy that is just jacked for a play like that and can go make a play, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You need at least one guy like that on your defense. Last year we saw it from Lonnie Phelps.
0: What if it's JB Brown
2: this year? I feel,
0: yep. pretty good. I feel pretty good. You need at least you need at least a couple guys. Yeah, and if I do see him flying around, um because I, I just want to see that athleticism on the field and see what it looks like. And if you do see him flying around and, and you feel good about where that's going, I think it it almost changes like if, if one of these two guys, if Jeremy Robinson or JB Brown like, goes off or just looks like a different type of guy to the defense, immediately you feel so much better about the defense because those are our biggest questions right now. It's the linebacker group. It's the defensive end position. One of those two guys, or both of them, shows flashes, even in an FCS game, even in the first game of the season. You're going to immediately feel significantly better about the defense. doesn't mean they're going to be, you know, the 1985 Chicago Bears, but, like, you're going to feel better. You're You, you just are. And then the other guy I really yeah. want to see is uh, Mello Dotson. I think we know what we got with Kobe Bryant, safety group. With Mello, you're talking about a very experienced DB and corner for KU.
2: Even though he's in his, starting his third year, right?
0: Yes. But he's played a lot. And that's, that's what's interesting with Mello to me is that I think for a lot of programs and based on now where they've built up the program with this staff – Like ideally you wouldn't have been playing Melo Dotson, who was kind of an undersized in terms of like looking to add more weight for him until probably this year. Like last year he would have been more of a rotation player. This year, maybe he would be his first year, like as a starter, if you had built up the the I don't know, the the position depth, the the group to where you want to be. Like now that's what's gonna happen. Like Lance Leipold and the staff have built it up that all these corners coming in for next year's class that we've talked about that are really good. Like it might take them a year or two before they get on the field. That wasn't a luxury that Melo Dotson was afforded because with less miles and David Beatty, the the staff wasn't built up to a point that he was able to, I don't know, kind of, kind of ease into things. You're talking about a guy who in 2020 as a true freshman played 44 snaps. Then in 2021 as a, uh, COVID freshman basically played 363 snaps. Last year as a COVID sophomore played 814 snaps. And the numbers got a lot better from 2021 to 2022. Uh 2021 on Pro Football Focus, he went from a 55.6 defensive grade to a 61.3. He went from a 56.3 coverage grade to a 61.9. He went from missing 28.6% of his tackles to 16%. He went from giving up 69% completion percentage to 65.6% completion percentage. So the numbers got... He went from one interception to two interceptions. He went from one pass breakup to four pass breakups. So the numbers across the board improved for Mello Dotson from 2021 to 2022. But can you hit another level? Because still at the end of the day... Last year, you gave up 65.6% completion percentage. Last year, you still gave up five touchdowns and two interceptions. You still gave up a, a 113 NFL passer rating. You need those numbers to get a lot better. You still, even though your tackle grade went up from a 31 to a 59, you still want it to go up from a 59. So when I look at Melo Dotson, for this for this secondary to me to be complete, because I, I think the secondary is the strength of the defense, Yeah, but for them to be a strength – not just of the defense, but a strength of Big 12 position units to be a top half DB unit, to be a top five DB unit, you feel like you're good with Kobe Bryant. You feel like you're good with the mixed match that you have safeties. You feel like you're good with the depth that you have a corner and it's safety. If Melo Dotson is just a guy, it's one thing. If he takes a step up to being like a legit future NFL prospect, good corner Now, all of a sudden, you're cooking with gas on the outside. So, I want to see what he looks like and if he can be kind of a shutdown guy against lesser wide receivers in the first game.
2: Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think if KU's defense wants to get to their ceiling or get to their best, the secondary is going to be the strength of that. So, if the secondary is not as good, that probably caps the overall ceiling of the defense as well.
0: Yep. Yep. All right, we're going to take a timeout. David Lesky is going to join us in about 15 minutes from right now. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com and the KLWN app. we got some KU football player audio next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now by David Leske of Inside the Crown, the Kansas City Royals. Well, Bobby Witt continues to uh, go off. They just lost their last two games and and five of their last six, but they're playing more competitive baseball beyond some of the wins a few weeks ago. Uh, Some of the scores are a little bit closer. Some of the games a little bit more entertaining here. Uh, David, how how different even though the record still isn't great and i think you mentioned this in week, uh, your weekend review which you can find it inside the crown that you know still since the all-star break it's still like a 65 win pace but i don't know like like how much how much more enjoyable is it for you to watch this team over the last three or four weeks
1: yeah i mean the, the simple difference is in the first half you watched a game and you thought if they win it will be a miracle and there were and miracles probably too strong but But like most nights, you just didn't feel like they had a chance to win. And if they somehow pulled it out, it was a fluke. Like just full-on fluke. Now you watch the game. And look, I'm not saying they're going to win even half the time. But but you watch these games and and you think, hey, they actually have a chance to win this. And if they do, you're not going to look at it and go, well, that's the win for the next two weeks because that's all they can do because they're actually playing much more competent baseball. It's a better brand to watch. It's, it's just a more competitive game. Um, they've got their issues, obviously. They're, they are not careening toward 112 losses or whatever the pace is, I don't know. Um, because they're a good team, but, but they are they're a team that you can watch night in and night out and think hey they've got a shot to win tonight. Um, again, they don't very often, but they still it, it feels more competitive.
0: Bobby Witt Jr. continues to uh, just light up with the hot streak that he's on right now. True or false, Bobby Witt Jr. will win an MVP award in his MLB career, and if so, will it be as a Royal?
1: Gosh, I mean, the smart money is on false, right? Because there's only two guys a year who win awards, and and it's um, it's just very difficult. You you look at all the great players who haven't won an MVP. Um, But, man... If there's somebody you're gonna bet on to win one, it's 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 him, right? I mean he there how many guys do you have who who can hit the way he hits, steal bases, play defense at a at a premium position. You know, he he is the he should be a front runner. Um so I, I mean I, I don't I, I'm gonna, the hot take would be, yeah, I think he'll win one. Um you know I kinda think I don't know why. I don't know why I feel this. Um, I don't have any inside information. I just have a really difficult time seeing the Royals, given what they are trying to do organizationally. And I mean that in a broad scope, stadium and everything. I don't know how they let him get away. And so with that said, if I believe he wins an MVP, I'm going to say I believe he wins it with the Royals, because I, I just don't know... Look, they've made some really bad mistakes in their history, in their recent history and, and well, long history, too. Um, I just have a really tough time seeing them not get him signed long-term. Um, I know that people scoff at that. I know that people go, well, they're too cheap, blah, blah, blah. Now, th- th- this goes... This is a different type of, of situation. This is a, hey, you are trying to get people to vote yes on the stadium. You are trying to get fan support, you are trying to get people back to the stadium now, I just have a really tough time thinking that they won't say, look, what's it going to take, and then get it done. So that that makes me believe that, yeah, I, I think if he does win one, it will be with the Royals.
0: MJ Melendez has been on a tear really since, I guess, the All-Star break over the last month of play. Even last week, he, he continues to, to hit the baseball well. Uh, interestingly enough, though, I I looked at some of the strikeout numbers, you know, at least recently, and and that isn't great, but I don't know, what do you, what do you make of MJ Melendez kind of taking off here in the second half? Is is this sustainable for the future? What does this tell us about his future with the team?
1: Yeah, the strikeout's been creeping back up a little bit lately, so that, that's a bit concerning, but I I think the chase rate, and I don't know, this may have changed over the last few days, because I looked at it last week, um, or maybe even a little bit before that, the chase rate was down, um. He's just, he, he's been making good contact. The quality of contact has been good all season long. It just, he hasn't been making enough of it. Well, now he's making a lot more of it. And so the heads are falling. Um, the problem that I have with thinking it's the same. I mean, I, I like Melinda. I think that he has a chance to be a really good player. Um, the issue that I run into with him is there's a lot going on in his swing. And if, if one thing gets out of whack, if one little little nugget gets gets out of place, all of a sudden the whole mechanism gets screwed up. And so that that's where I find myself concerned a little bit with him being able to sustain it, just because you know, there, there's a lot that can go wrong with that swing. So that that's the concern. But that said, everything else, like I said, he's he's hit the ball hard all season long. He has shown in the past that he can make good contact and not strike out a ton. so I, I, I think he's a lot closer to this than what he was at the start of the season. Um, but, you know, I, I'm i not convinced it to stick this way for forever now. They've got 30, 36 games left, so um, that could go a long way. <laughs> that could go a long way toward convincing me, I think.
0: Nelson Velasquez has been very interesting so far, and you know, on the season, uh, shown a lot of power already with the Royals. He had the, the back-to-back days with home runs last week against the Mariners. Is, is Jorge Soler, is, is that a fair comp for, for what the Royals could get out of Velasquez? And, and if that did end up happening, that would be more than successful, correct?
1: Um, yeah, offensively, I think that's a... a I mean, it, it's a decent comp. I think that they're they're different hitters. You know, Soler's a much bigger guy, um, much more substantially put together. Um, but... But I mean, like, it's not like Velasquez is a little guy; he's just not as as generally big as Jorge Soler. Um, but they're both guys who can work a walk, will strike out, and hit the ball a long way. I think Velasquez is a little bit more athletic than Jorge Soler. Um, although that said, when the Royals brought Jorge Soler over, um, he was he was running sprint speeds up at like twenty eight point two feet per second per second. I want to say so. You know, the, the, he's a guy who can move a little bit. I even toy with the idea of. Wondering if they should play him in center field because he's fast enough, and then he wouldn't have had to deal with the angles in the corner outfield. So, so maybe I'm off there on that. But I think that yeah, that's uh obviously the the top outcome is like 2019 with A. Soler. But if, if he's a guy you can you can say okay, he's going to hit 270, 350, 500. You, I mean, obviously take that considering you have Jose Quas for him.
0: Mm-hmm. On the pitching side of things, Cole Reagan's, was able to overcome the the previous start which uh, was was kind of the one bad start so far and, and had himself a nice start last time out with the Royals is it crazy to think that Cole Reagan's is not just the best Royals starter for the future but also that he might be
1: the best starter right now I mean who else is I uh, I guess Brady singer sing and and, and look if, if we if Brady Singer had his start tonight that he had yesterday um, and we didn't know that he was going to have that, we would be saying that, no, Brady Singer is the best starter. He had a bad third. I guess it was Saturday. He had a start, whatever. Um, we'd be talking about Brady Singer is the best starter on the team. I, you know, I, uh, Cole Reagan has, has bigger upside for sure. Um, just because he has better stuff. But I, I think that when you are, having this conversation and now there's two pitchers to discuss, that's a, that's a good thing for the Royals because there were zero pitchers to discuss at some point this year. So, I, you know, I, I don't know if he's the best pitcher right now. Um, my, my gut answer is, yeah, he is. I think that he's better than Brady Singer right now. I mean, the future is brighter for Cole Reagan than Brady Singer. So, yeah, I think that the answer is yes to both. But I, I think it's a good thing for the Royals that there are two guys in the conversation. And, you know, it, it's funny, we've kind of – not talked about Alec Marsh because he's gone on the bulk role and not the starter and, and he hasn't been great, but he's had two straight bulk outings where he's been solid. Um, if he can continue to do that, all of a sudden you start to look at a rotation next year and you go, okay, you've got, let's call maybe Cole Reagan's is a two, maybe, maybe Singer's a three and, and Marsh is a five. Okay. You've got three fifths of a rotation. That's something. That is a starting point. That's a starting point. They didn't have, I don't know, three months ago, four months, whatever you want, whatever time frame you want to say. That's a starting point that they have figured out during this 2023 season. And, and that's a good thing.
0: I was talking to a, a friend of mine who uh, was, was telling me, he's like, you know, I, I feel like Cole Reagans is everything that the team wanted Daniel Lynch to be. And, and yeah. when I think about the development of the organization, obviously Cole Reagans came to the Royals as a pretty, pretty fully made prospect at that point. I mean, he's on the doorstep. He's in Triple A, right? He he has a few starts in Triple A with the Royals before coming up. Um, and, and when I think to the development that the Royals pitching have had, especially with that class that was, you know, the the giant pitching class with the Brady Singers and Jackson Coars and of the world, and and how they haven't had success to the point that maybe they would want to with your Daniel Lynch's and some of those guys and your Asa Lacy's and so forth. Is there anything that that Reagans can, can teach us about, uh, whether it's a pitch mix thing or uh, something that the Royals are or are not doing about why he has hit the ground running so much better than a lot of these other Royals pitchers who have come from the minor leagues?
1: Well, I mean, I think that it, it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison because – I wonder a little bit, and we'll never know, obviously. But what would happen if we could restart the clock on these 2018 guys and have them, and you know, you do the Men in Black thing, wipe them completely fresh, and then have them start off with this pitching development team? You know, I, I wonder what would happen there. Would, would Jackson Coar move to a slider quicker? Would Would Daniel Lynch do something different with his changeup? I, I don't know. You know, would Brady Singer have his foot change earlier in the minors so he'd be more willing to use it during games? I mean, all these questions that, again, we'll never know. We'll never be able to find out because it's, you can't do that. But I mean, we saw improvement with Chris Bubich before he went down the slider. Now, he was working on it last year, so let's not say this is all the new new coaching staff. But we, we saw what he looked like in his first couple of starts before he got hurt, and I don't know that it's necessarily unfair to say that other guys would have would have been better off as well. So I think the biggest difference is Cole Reagans came into a much better infrastructure than those guys did on the pitching side. Um, but I, I also think that you know, Cole Reagans is a different guy. He he went to work this offseason, obviously not knowing he was going to be a Royal, um, worked on flexibility and muscle and, and improved his velocity through through those workouts. So he got better himself, and, and that's something that I think that we've seen um, Lynch and Bubich and Coar um, and, and others, too, and Marsh is another one of these guys also. So I don't want to just say that. I don't want to make it seem like if I'm not mentioning somebody, they are not part of this, but, but these guys have shown a willingness to adjust, adapt, improve, all these things that, you know, some pitchers don't show very often. And, and, and I, and I think that when you've got the right people in place to teach the people who are willing to make the changes, you, you can find results. And, and so I think Cole Reagan, who is already working to to better himself as a pitcher. Um, I think he comes in an organization that is equipped to help him and you, you see how fast they can take off. And, you know, I, I think a lot of these young Royals pitchers didn't, Really had that opportunity just because of what they were dealing with before the new group came in, um, and like I said, we have seen some positive changes. We have seen some positive changes in Lynch, and he can't stay healthy, but he looked okay. You know, he looked like a, a more of a control guy, maybe a back end pitcher, but he was a better. The results were better than what they were before. Singer has adapted and adjusted throughout the season. We've seen different different sliders, we've seen the changeup adjust, all that stuff. So I don't know that it necessarily says anything about. Anybody in particular, but I think that there's just a better, better program in place now.
0: The other day marked when MLB teams could bring players up and not have their service time limit surpass the point where they would lose their rookie status, so that they could maintain, you know, that for arbitration reasons or, or to possibly be still in the running next year for Rookie of the Year, which can get you that extra draft pick. Uh, is there anyone at this point in time to keep an eye on in the system for the Royals that? Might make sense to give a trial to in the majors now that it wouldn't kill off their rookie eligibility.
1: Um, yeah, I think there are two guys, and, and I don't think they really have anybody who's like a real rookie of the mm-hmm. year threat or anything. But I think Nick Lofton and Tyler Gentry make a lot of sense. Um, both of them need to be protected in in the, for the from the rule five draft from the rule five draft. That's hard to say um, heading into the off season, so they're going to need to be added to the forty man roster. Um, anyway and so you start to think okay well why are Matt Beatty and Matt Duffy getting at bats if if these two need to be added regardless so I I think we'll probably see them at some point um I don't know that because it's also the Royals have themselves in in an interesting position they're a bad team but they don't have a lot of at bat to give I mean they really don't especially in the outfield so That'll be interesting to see how they handle that with, with those two. Um, and then I think you can look at like an Anthony Vaziano as a guy who maybe he get called up. But again, I don't I don't really see a lot of rookie of the year risk there. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got a few guys to look at.
0: am talking with David Lesky of Inside the Crown here. As you look for the rest of the season, the, the next month and a half of baseball, what would be the most encouraging thing the team can do the rest of the season to maximize how you would feel about them headed into 2024?
1: Well, I think that you look at the offense and you started to feel pretty good the way they've the way they hit in the second half. And so I, I, I don't – I mean, continue to do that, sure. The big thing for me, if they can start to find, I don't know, three guys, four guys that you feel like can be a part of next year's bullpen, I think that would really help quite a bit because – we saw in the Mariners series, they, they, the bullpen was great in the Cubs series, uh, but we saw in the Mariners series, they they really struggled. And, you know, you, you look at that bullpen, you go, okay, well, is there anybody who can be a part of the next good bullpen? And I think there is. I mean, Carlos Miranda's had a really good year, and he, he had a rough stretch. Uh, maybe he's out of it, maybe he's not. We'll see. Austin Cox, I think, has shown something. I don't know what yet, but he's he's at least in the conversation. But then you start to think, okay, John McMillan, he came up and he looked just outstanding. You have a home run, I get it, um, but the fastball is there, the slider's there. He looks the part of a guy who can dominate out of the bullpen. And then you gotta find one or two more. Um, is it Dylan Coleman? I don't know, a lot of walks still, but he's striking guys out again, so there's that. Um, is it Stephen Cruz, Will Klein, who are in AAA, there are two other guys who can come up at some point. Um, or is it I don't know. I don't know. Who is it? Who 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 is that guy who who can step up? Because if you go into the winter and you say, okay, we've got four relievers, gotta find four more. Well, gotta find probably ten more. Um, but if you feel like you've got four relievers, there's a lot that that goes a long way towards saying, okay, now the Royals can protect some leads too.
0: Talking with David Lesky here. Uh, before we let you go, as is tradition, who is the player of the week for uh, this past week of Royals baseball?
1: Well, if we're still doing the non-Bobby Witt Junior. player of the week, it's <laughs> Melendez because they, they didn't really have a great week. Um, but Melendez had a hit three sixty seven with a five hundred slugging percentage, so there's that. But I mean, realistically, it's Bobby Witt. Yep. He, what was it four nineteen four thirty eight seven seventy four three homers, three steals, eight RBIs. Like it's always him now. So he, he's the easy answer, but it, it's it's never the wrong answer.
0: That's right. Well, the the wrong answer is never. Checking out Inside the Crown. You can be the Bobby Witt of your life, of your Royals baseball water cooler, if you subscribe to david Substack Inside the Crown. David, I appreciate uh, the time as always, man, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, there.
0: All right, that's David Lesky Inside the Crown joining us here on Rock Jock Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Monday, some more KU football audio, plenty more KU football content coming at you after this time out. This is RCST on KLWN. Back in a moment. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it.
2: Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays.
0: Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk.
2: You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. I'm I to calm down. Look around you.
1: With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man.
0: All right, time for your case of the Mondays. I, I think you did a case of the Mondays a few weeks ago, but this is like the the return of case of the Mondays. You know, we did had, it
2: last week while you were gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, but like and this Monday is the full Derek return of it. He's-
2: can't remember and also wasn't here
0: no i i told you i was I, it was like a week or two i remembered it was when i was gone when you did it i just yeah you were saying this is like the full return because both of it us is. are here no it is and you know it'll be more regular now at this yeah, point Yeah, I mean, we've time.
2: had so much trivia we've mm-hmm. had so much this that and the other haven't had a chance to really do some more fun segments.
0: yeah so uh case of the mondays for today let's start things off people who pay air conditioning bills if you're a person who's at like an apartment where they pay for it and you have whatever like you're in a dorm room or something like that yeah you're living it up this week this, this past yeah. whatever two weeks or however long this heat wave is going to last for if you have to pay for your own air conditioning bills uh, i'm not looking forward to the air conditioning bill right now it's it's too hot too
2: hot yeah it's it's, it's brutal out there so number one stay safe <laughs> number two uh try to avoid being outside for too long i went outside last night at like 9 p.m for like 30 minutes, and I actually thought I was going to die. So, uh, And that was at 9 p.m. I saw or over the weekend the uh, the National Weather Service in Kansas City recorded a heat index of 104 at 1 a.m. 1
0: in the morning. No, that should not like be like 104. Yeah, that should not be allowed. I so think- stay safe, stay cool, stay yeah. hydrated. No, there's been a lot of talk on, you know, the presidential election, who's going to run for office on both parties and you know it, you have my vote if you cancel heat if you cancel it being above 100 degrees if you can figure out wow. a way to do that you have my vote wow that's a that's a pretty <laughs> low bar to be honest okay uh if you drove on iowa or you're near campus this weekend you're having a case of the mondays because it probably yeah. took you like eight hours yeah yeah so this kind of started
2: towards the end of last week uh because it kind of started on like thursday or whatever mm-hmm. And it just got worse Fortunately for me I happened to be out of town This weekend uh, So I didn't really
0: Have to deal with it So it was great
2: Yeah it, uh, But it, <laughs> When I went out of town I had to get a Screw drilled in my jaw So Who's the real winner there
0: Yeah Case of the Monday's for you Honestly Yeah it's the big one Yeah but no i i uh did not enjoy if you, if you had to drive anywhere to get like downtown or to get to mass street with all the students moving in caused all sorts of traffic yeah and i, and I like the students being here it, it adds an ambiance and uh an aura oh, yeah, around sure. ku and you know obviously yeah uh, it's one of
2: those things where it's like in june yeah. you're like oh thank god like the city's back and then you get to like july and then into august and you're like you know it's kind of nice yeah kind of nice.
0: I enjoy every season as part of it. It is yeah. nice when you have a more towny Lawrence, and it is a little more, more quiet and, I don't know, not as not as overly lively, but would you, you can't have that your, forever. Would
2: you consider yourself a townie now?
0: I don't know. That's a good question, because I wasn't born in Lawrence. I, I feel like you got to be longer than me, but then again, I've been here what, for 10 saying, years. How long, do you, how long do you have to live here? That's a good question. I'm, I'm going to put that out on a Twitter poll later tonight. Okay. Uh, I'll put that or out. Is Derek a towny? Am I a towny? Or I, I'm just going to put it up as how long, How do, you long be, do you have to live in Lawrence to be considered five a townie, years? Ten right? years? Or is it just born as soon here? as you are a non-college student living in Lawrence? Is exactly. it just a meeting? I, I don't know. Like, are you a I, I don't know.
2: That's Honestly, a that's a
0: great question. I'm not sure. Okay, uh, also Case of the Mondays for Brooks Kepka. So right now the golf playoff is going on. And Victor Hovland won the event yesterday. How the golf playoff works, it's very interesting. You have... Uh, yeah, you're going to have the to FedEx start. Cup you're standings. Have to yeah, okay. Standings. So they I have, have no the idea. FedEx Cup standings, which is y- you like NASCAR, right? I so Oh, like NASCAR, yeah. Y- y- there's some similarities in terms of I I don't know how the NASCAR points are determined, basically. I could explain it to you too. Exactly. So, th- so there's a way that the points are determined and standings are yeah. determined. Yeah. So with golf, over the course of everything, you tally up points in the top 70, make it into the FedEx Cup playoffs, okay? Okay? So then over the course of I forget if it's 3 or 4 weeks, I think it's Three weeks, uh, so this will be week three, I believe, upcoming this week. Um, you have the top 70 go in the first tournament, and then that that first tournament, the points are even more weighted. Where okay, if you're in 70th place, but you finish like second in the next week's tournament, you're going to be good enough because you have to make it to the top 50 by the next tournament. I see. And then you have to make it top 30, and then the top 30 are the final ones in the final week. And then what they do is the final tournament. Is it always at the same course? Um that's I I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> I don't know. I I like golf, but I'm not like the most knowledgeable golf person either. Sure. So, uh then what they do is they like to give an advantage to the people who have built up the most points or in first place or whatever. They start them at like 10 under. And then the person who's in second starts at, like, 9-under, and the person in third starts at, like, 8-under. So they have an advantage right away. So it's, it's very difficult if you are in, like, 28th place to eventually win the whole thing. But, the, I mean, the, the purse on it is worth, like, $15 million. It, it's pretty incredible. That's pretty good. So, uh, anyway, that that's what's going on right now, and that's interesting in its own right. But beyond the actual FedEx Cup with the playoffs, there is also Ryder Cup um, implications on the line. Wait, what? So the Ryder Cup is the like team event that happens between the US golfers oh, I know what that is. and the European golfers. Yeah, it's okay. an awesome event. I've always wanted to go cuz the, the fans get like rowdy and into it. Yeah, 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 okay, You'll see yeah, yeah. players hit like a hole in or you know a hole in one or a big chip and they'll take off their shirt or they'll yeah can no, beer. Okay, yeah. Right. Yep. It's a lot of fun. Yep.
2: I'm there. I'm 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 there.
0: So to get into the Ryder Cup because there's obviously only a certain amount that the make it for US or Europeans. Yeah. Um you it's basically kind of the same thing. Like it, it's a point total. Well, Brooks Kepka going into the weekend was sitting in fifth for the Ryder Cup. Six spots are guaranteed. And then the rest of the spots for the Ryder Cup are filled by captain picks. Okay. Now, he was in fifth. Because Max Homa and Xander Schauffele both did really well in this playoff event, they both got top tens, they both hopped over Brooks Kepka. So now Brooks Kepka goes from being a guaranteed spot to now it's seventh outside of the guaranteed spot. And nice. because Brooks Kepka is on the live tour, not the PGA. See, but okay. They don't merge till after the season. See, this is the, end of the, it's like, it's the end of the season. It's like, what? Dude, we had this whole
2: ordeal where I thought it was everything was fine.
0: Yes, but they're finishing out this season. That's dumb. Right? Why are they doing that? That's so stupid. Well, Because it's just like, it, it's imagine the NFL was like, we're going to start doing this rule or we're going to change the divisions around. You wouldn't do it in the middle of the season. You would start it the next year, right? It's, so he's uh, not eligible to be down. in the playoffs, so he can't build up any higher. So he's stuck at seventh. He's stuck on the outside looking in because is, of the live situation. Is Bryson DeChambeau the captain? Bryson DeChambeau is also in the live, so he's in okay. a similar situation. I was going to say, if he was the captain, he wouldn't pick he wouldn't pick well, Brooks. But that's part of the problem here, is that because of the whole live situation, and because Brooks Koepka is kind of a polarizing athlete, he especially among other golfers... He can be. I don't know if the captain is going to end up picking so him. Who's the captain? I don't know. I don't the know captain. the answer to that. I don't know if it's whoever's number one, or if that gets voted on. I don't know how that works. Gotcha. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see if he gets picked. Also, I mean... Uh, add this to kind of the live stuff. Like, they made him as part of the contract. Like, he just had a kid, and the kid was like in the NICU. Um, the kid's okay at this point. I, I know they got to bring him home, but like, because of the contract, the live made him play in the two events while his kid was in the NICU. So that sucks, but that does suck. Yeah. So uh, Brooks Kepka, case of the Mondays, man. That is tough. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are having a case of the Mondays. Dude,
2: I knew the Cardinals were not that good. What I had to, what I was forced to watch when they played the Chiefs. That, is, that was the worst football I've ever seen. I mean, those boys stink.
0: They got really bad. I like Colt McCoy, you know but that, it's tough when Colt McCoy's these. You know that of meme of
2: it's it's like where it's Shaq and it's like, I apologize, I was unfamiliar with your game. <laughs> yes. I apologize. I was unfamiliar with how terrible the Arizona Cardinals are. They're the worst team in the league. They have to be.
0: I mean Who else geez. is up there? That's a good question. As we get ready for the NFL season, as important as it is to discover and well, who we think can win the Super Bowl. Normally if you just if you just
2: if you just close your eyes and say Texans, Browns, Lions, you you would be
0: right, right. on one of those. But all those <laughs> teams point. might be kind of good Well, Okay, if we just go through it. Like AFC East, I don't think any of the teams in the AFC East are, are going to be one of the bottom five teams. I think you still have to put
2: the Texans down
0: there. Well, no. AFC East is uh, oh, Bill's AFC. Dolphins, okay, Patriots, AFC, Jets. AFC East, no. AFC West, Raiders could. That could happen. Sneaky Their defense maybe. was bad. Yeah. As, as much as Derek Carr's not like a top... I don't know, like a, an elite quarterback. He's still better he than gives Jimmy you Garoppolo. A certain floor. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Well, okay. Whoa, whoa, okay. Hang on. We'll oh. There. Okay. Interesting. I like okay. Jimmy G. All right. Well, uh, nonetheless, it wouldn't shock me if the Raiders were in there. I guess if the Broncos, I, I just, with Sean Payne, the, Broncos Payton, I think aren't the floor be, is high enough. Yeah, yeah. They'll win five, six, games. or seven. I don't yeah. know. Are we gonna have are we gonna have that debate again? Where no, you're I'm be not like, oh, I'm not going, oh, all, the the Broncos I'm really not going all the way. Brooke was gonna be good this year, no. and I'm gonna tell you they can win five games no. and we're gonna sit here in December and they're five and twelve. No, Russell Wilson changed my mind last year. Okay, so maybe the Raiders. Um uh, let's see, Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers. None of those I think are gonna be bottom five.
2: Yeah, probably not bottom
0: five. And then in the AFC South, yeah, I think the Texans are gonna be a lot better. Is it possible they go five and twelve and they get like the fifth pick or something? Yes, maybe. maybe. Um Colts. The Colts you would think would may, be kinda decent. Yeah, they the good defense. I don't know i guess it's possible what if anthony richardson I, is just that bad i, I don't so know be a possibility. What, what if uh, CJ, what if cj strouds no. just that bad i guess it's possible so raiders texans and uh maybe and colts. colts are all maybes but maybe. none of them you feel great about no cowboys giants eagles commanders these are all pretty solid yeah and, and even the commanders like to me are the worst team in that division but it's like they, they consistently have a games. good defense yeah, they yeah they, they're games. always they'll, they'll always win a couple of those divisional games so yep. no probably not them yep cardinals for sure well, yes, now that I had to watch yep. them over the weekend. Rams, 49ers, Seahawks. 49ers, Seahawks should be, well, 49ers should be Super Bowl contender, NFC contender. The Rams, you would think will bounce back to at least to be at like a 500. Fine team, yeah, yes. exactly. Seahawks, I mean, we're a near playoff team last year. They they, just paid I liked Dino. their yeah, I liked yeah, they their offseason moves. They should be not horrible. Yes. Um Bears, I think they're going to be a lot better. They have a spending spree for yeah, I mean, they should be pretty decent. Yeah, Lions should Seven be good. wins. What if Jordan Love's just bad? Are the Packers, they have a chance? That'd be oh, hilarious. Maybe. Vikings shouldn't be in there. Nope. And then Falcons, I think, are decent. That division's wide open. Um, I mean, Falcons what have if, a great like, running three game. of the
2: worst five teams are in the NFC that South? That could happen, honestly.
0: Like, what if the Panthers with Bryce Young takes another year? What if the Saints Panthers, are they're just old? The, the Buccaneers, Bucs. I think, are going to be. Honestly, is that it? Is it between the Buccaneers and the Cardinals for worst team in the NFL?
2: I don't know. But it is interesting because normally you go into a season and you're like,
0: yep, there's the worst yeah. team. There they are. But I think we might be there. I think it is the Cardinals. Uh, I think oh, that's I, my point. And as going far as that, I can tell, yes, it is. And going because through that, I, what I had to endure yeah. watching over the weekend, yes. Yeah. Now, the problem becomes, though, when Kyler Murray is back. I, listen, I'm not a huge Kyler Murray guy. I don't think he's a top-ten quarterback, but Kyler but you Murray would is think good that enough makes them, yeah. for them not to be the worst team in the NFL. You would think. But if he comes back by week dude, 9 and they're 0-8. Somebody's got to be the worst team. Yeah. And again, if he comes back not by Not everybody can go 8-9, 9-8. And nine, nine and right. Well, again, if he, if, if, if they're 0-9 when he comes, I don't know when he's supposed to be back in the season. If he's 0-9, even if he comes back and they go 4-4 and 4 to finish, you're 4-13. That's in the yeah, discussion that's, for that's the worst That's pretty team. bad. Yeah. So yeah, so I was not... I was unfamiliar with how bad the Cardinals are, <laughs> very bad. Uh, Michigan football, but also low key, maybe more the NCAA. I, I don't know. Case of the muddies here. Uh, Michigan self-imposed a three-game ban for Jim Harbaugh to start the 2023 season. You might be wondering why did he get banned? Well, this all goes back to uh, something he was being investigated with over the NCAA. And yeah, it was like during
2: COVID, he like did some.
0: Yeah, some was, it was small, violence. stupid stuff. It was like, oh, I paid for a hamburger. I don't know, something like that. That that's my. I, I don't really care to be completely honest, just because the NCAA rules on this stuff are, are so decrepit yeah, and, and dumb. So I I don't really care. Basically though, he lied about it. It was some small lie, like no, I didn't give him a hamburger. And so now they're trying to crack down on even something so small just because he lied to them like, about dude, it. Dude, in the NIL era, how can they even do? This? No, it's stupid. It's it's very stupid. Uh, so anyway, Michigan just getting out in front of it. They're like, here. Just take a three-game suspension. The funny part about this, these are their three games. East Carolina at home, UNLV at home, and Bowling Green at Dude, home. Dude, did you know that Michigan's, like, first
2: five games are at home? Did That's you know That's crazy. They don't play a road game until, like, October, I think.
0: Wow. So, yeah, who cares about this, man, right? Like,
2: Well, first of all, the teams you just listed, me. I could coach the Michigan to a 3-0 start. Me. Okay? So, what, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what are we doing? What is going on here? This doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah, I don't know if any of those teams are even going to be bowl teams. I mean, East Carolina was a good team last year, but they like graduated a ton. So uh, again, I could coach Michigan to win those three games. Okay, me. Okay. Well, yeah. So I guess case of the Mondays for the NCAA if they think. That, but then again, like at the same point in time, I don't really care what Jim Harbaugh did here. I don't. I don't care about the NCAA. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's all suited. Yeah. It is. Case of Mondays for the New York Yankees, who are on the ultimate cold streak of all cold streaks right now. They have lost eight straight games. That is the most games they've lost in a row in 28 years. All right,
2: time out. Quick side note. Mm-hmm. Over the last 28 years, you just said Yankees have lost eight in a row. That's, they've never lost eight in a row in 20 years. How many different times over the last 28 years do you think the Kansas City Royals have
0: lost eight? Oh, years in a row? that's a good question. How many times have they done it this year? <laughs> it's got to be at least Probably once at or least twice, once. right?
2: Yeah. That's a <laughs> great question At least once
0: or twice It's probably happened A lot A lot Yeah But Their eighth straight loss too What makes it even worse for them It came on In the ninth inning An entire game On an overturned call At the plate So <laughs> now you lose That sucks six to five. Does
2: anybody feel bad For the Yankees
0: No not at all Because I don't They're 17 games back Of first in the division That division is, is amazing by the way. They're in last They're 60 and 64 Usually is like oh, Maybe you're in third Or fourth of the division They're in yeah, last Dude, In the, the, the AL
2: term. Central That'd be like five games Yeah in first They'd place. still
0: be in the playoff race they're 16 64. They're nine back of the wild card. But yeah, man, they, they are just absolutely tanking toward the finish line. Yeah.
2: Another. Also, some more great memes online is uh, the memes of you have to be sick. You have to be sick if you enjoy watching the Yankees' downfall. It's just pictures of people who are in the hospital being sick.
0: <laughs> it's awesome. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our case of the Mondays here. We got some uh, KU football player audio that we're going to come up to you. On the other side, we're also going to break down the uh, Chiefs' preseason win over those horrible Arizona Cardinals coming up later in the hour. We've got some more KU football talk, KU football football superlatives in the 5 o'clock hour coming up later along with some more KU football player audio. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. If you missed some of the uh, quarterback news from earlier today, Illinois has named a starting quarterback, and I don't know. that There's not much we can take from that because as much as they named their guy, that doesn't really mean much because we don't know much about any of them, right? I mean, they're all new their guys, guy. right? But he is their guy. Uh, now they're, Luke Altmaier. Yeah, they're, Former James top 150 recruit, right? Chris so that does tell you that he is a very talented guy.
2: And if you went to Ole Miss, you would think that that means he probably has decent arm talent, considering yeah. that's an offense that likes to throw the ball a lot.
0: Yeah. So you can assume, very talented, but how much will that translate? Who knows? We'll see. Against we'll see more the from them in week one. Kansas football defense. That's right. Um, now, the Missouri State one is more pertinent because that's a loss, and also that's yeah. who you're playing in week one.
2: Yeah, so some reporting from uh, Wyatt Wheeler, who is uh, the beat reporter for Missouri State for the Springfield News Leader. Uh, over the weekend, he tweeted that one of the, uh, Craig Burt, who was a transfer we- uh, wide receiver from Western Kentucky, not related uh, to Sam Burt? Question I, mark. I don't believe so. No. Okay. Uh, left the program, uh, and then supposedly he might be actually uh, transferring back to Kentucky. Western Kentucky was what he said in the tweet, and then in a as part of that tweet as well, quarterback. Chase Brewster, who was a transfer to uh, Missouri State from UMass, University of Massachusetts, uh, Wyatt Wheeler tweeted that he left the program, basically just packed up
0: and Look, left. Took literally, a vacation.
2: literally the exact ver- verbiage of the tweet is that he packed up and left.
0: So he might have just taken a vacation. I, I don't know. Maybe I he just to a means. three-day weekend in San Diego. Uh, I
2: don't really know what that means. I don't, I don't know if Chase Brewster was slated to be the starting quarterback for Missouri State, but... Uh, it would seem as though over the weekend he has departed the program. And Craig Burt, Wyatt Wheeler did offer some analysis on Twitter, saying that he thought that he he or he had been impressive in camp and that he might have been like a wide receiver one candidate. So that's a big loss, a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. And they, but I don't know fully. I don't know the full extent. You know, obviously we're not out at fall camp for Missouri State. We we don't we're not seeing what they're doing. But uh, I don't know the full extent of what Chase Brewster was expected to be. I mean. Transferring in from UMass to an FCS school would make lead me to believe that he had a at least a, you know was in competition to be a starter.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm reading here, or I'm I'm, I'm reading here, um, that, and this is from the Springfield News Leader, that uh, Jacob Clark was the favorite, and he's a uh, a player who he was Missouri State's backup last year after he transferred in from Minnesota. So he's also a a D1. Yeah, so Missouri State did lose a lot from their team. But yeah, they they lost their starting quarterback from last year who, again, there was one article that I remembered calling him one of the greatest quarterbacks in school history. There is a lot to lose there. Now, again, this guy was at Minnesota, so clearly he's a Power 5 level talent at quarterback if it ends up being Clark. But maybe that other guy was in competition, and and at the very least, maybe that hurts their competition in in some way or another. Certainly, I would think the receiver one has more of an impact, but yet, I guess, is of note for uh, KU football's first opponent. Yep. Now the Kansas City Chiefs took on the Arizona Cardinals in their second preseason game. They lost a close one to the Saints in their first preseason game. This time it was no such thing as close. 38-10, to 10, the final score. They take down the Cardinals and a game that it started a little bit slow for the Chiefs. Like The first few drives of the game... Yeah, they uh, didn't really do much. No, they didn't. Now the defense was doing a good job the first few drives of the game. Just offensively it was a bit slow and you... Kind of got delayed by a couple penalties, honestly. Like, there was the kind of longish pass to Justin Watson that would have been a big gain, but then you have the holding call, you come back, you end up on 3rd and there was 20. A,
2: oh, there was a complete BS OPI called on Justin Watson.
0: Yeah. Uh, on Maybe route. that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean... And then you had the uh, the drive where it ended up you punted, but it was the Mahomes rolling to his right. Yeah, dude. Leave it was the Patrick Mahomes to yeah. have people, like,
2: ooing and awing
0: about Over a preseason incomplete incompletion. pass in a preseason in the preseason,
2: I mean, people were losing their minds. Yeah.
0: You're going to be able to make a highlight tape of Patrick Mahomes' incompletions by the end of his yes. career.
2: Now, granted, if you saw the play, it was pretty impressive. I mean, he yeah. he's, like, sprinting towards the sideline. He literally jumps in the air and then, like a – Literally, like a shortstop, which, you know, back to that baseball analogy that he talks about a lot, like a shortstop, he like twists his body and just effortlessly chucks the ball like 20 yards downfield to where it was like kind of close to being caught. Marquez Valdez actually got his hand on the ball. It doesn't make any sense.
0: No, it doesn't. That was like, it's like the Super Bowl one where he's just diving to the side and he hits the guy in the face mask. Yeah. Incredible. 10. Incredible. Yeah. Uh but at the end of the day, like Mahomes still ten of fifteen, hundred five yards, a touchdown, no picks. He was solid overall. Um, all the quarterbacks were yep. good. Blaine Gabbard, seven of eight, okay. one twenty, two touchdowns. I will say that. Dan ten
2: for ten. We need to ban Mahomes from scrambling in the preseason.
0: I agree. What is he doing? Like, bro, I don't know. what are you
2: doing? <laughs> throw the throw the ball away or don't scramble. Why? Thank God he question. slid on that one play though. <laughs> but dude, what I mean, ban. I'm telling, like, Andy Reid. Oh, I'm sure Come Andy Reid is telling him that, but you're Patrick banned. Holmes is probably well, then, just like, I don't pull care. Pull him from the game. Pull him <laughs> from the game
0: if he scrambles. That would be funny. I, I don't Scrimbles care. Scrambles one time. What are we doing? Runs out of bounds. Don't let him. Sorry, you're don't done. Don't let him scramble. Yeah. Don't let him do anything. Um, okay? Have you been interested at all by Clyde Edwards-Alaire's usage, as I have been?
2: Uh No. You have not been interested. Is that well, just okay? Define interest. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, define interested.
0: Like, I'm not interested from a standpoint of like I'm thinking Clyde edwards layer is going to be this like breakout player. I'm interested from a standpoint of almost like a head scratching standpoint. But also, I sort of get it, well, like, I know Isaiah in, in Pacheco is back because
2: from injury. In the Saints game, it made sense because he's from New Orleans, like, yeah. had a lot of family there, I think, and Andrew was like, it's preseason, you know, we'll we'll get him some work.
0: No, I mean, it's easily explained because it's like, Jet McKinnon is more of a situational guy, so we're just going to, we're in preseason, let's just use him in the situations he'll be in. Passing downs, certain passing plays, pass blocker. Pacheco's still hurt. Screen play. Yeah, Pacheco's still hurt, so it's like, well... I guess who else are you going to go to? You are going to go to generic Prince, who we've heard good things about, but the production hasn't been there in, in preseason. Maybe they're trying to show him off so that somebody will trade Some for trade him. for him. I guess that's possible. So I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, so I just like when I when I'm out there and I'm like, wait a minute, why is he with the ones? Yeah, Which I'm kind of weird. Yeah,
2: I could not be less interested.
0: To be uh, receivers looked good. I thought um, eight catches for 96 for Rashi Rice. Did yep. have the one drop. Yep, Amir Smith Marset okay. was really good. The key with the one drop was
2: it was his first pass. And he didn't that didn't ruin Bounce the game back. for him. Bounce back. Yes. That didn't ruin the game for
0: him. Yeah, that was good to see. Uh let's see. Who else had a good? I mean, Justin Watson had the touchdown. He had the, the OPI that that took away the one play.
2: Okay, so people are getting mad about Justin Watson. Why? He's gonna be on the team.
0: He's yeah, accepting. you know what this is? This is Justin Watson is the is the the like kind of league average player who if he is if he's your fourth or fifth string receiver, you should be happy about. But People get old and tired of those guys if they're around too long to where it's like, but the hype in the moment, like, Justin Ross could be anything. He could be Julio Jones, right? Whereas, like, he's with Justin Watson, Jones. I I know he's not. But No, was, but I get it. Justin Watson is Justin Watson. Exactly, exactly. And for, for a fan base, a lot of times you just live on this hype train. I'm 100% with you. Justin Watson is mass, mashed potatoes. He's fine. He's fine. But, dude, but you, every I, meal master, needs mesh potatoes. Exactly. You have to have fine. Mashed potatoes are awesome. Not everything is going to be a, a five-star steak, you know? I, I like Justin Watson. I agree with you, though. I can sense that from the Chiefs fandom where they're like, we need to be giving more to, to this guy. Justin Watson yes. is fine. Yes, he's he fine. Exactly. He and you need fine. Need, you need fine, fine to fill out the room. You need fine to fill out the room. Okay, so like, we, like I kind of alluded to
2: earlier on in the show uh, during Case of the Mondays, this game... Told me more about how the Cardinals are the worst team ever than about <laughs> if the Chiefs were actually good. Okay, uh, so I'm not gonna re I'm not gonna take anything away from this game about anything relating to the Chiefs because this game was not about the Chiefs being good. It was about the Cardinals being literally making me want to stab my eyes out. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's that is my official take on the preseason on the second mm-hmm. preseason game. Uh, I don't care. Now that being said,
0: Jane Bouchelle, quarterback two, mm. it's happening. Or it yeah. should happen. Well, the right. thing is, Gabbert was still good in this game, but I mean, Shane Bouchel looks really good. And this was a big year for him because it was like Chad Henney retires. They're going to bring in a veteran to push you. This is kind of make or break for Shane Bouchel. Yeah. Because like if you're the third string for like the fourth straight year, at that point, it's probably going to be your last year. Like, what, right? are we, yeah, what are we doing? Yeah.
2: I mean, let's let's be honest here. Right. Let's look in the mirror here. Yeah. Our quarterback but three.
0: He's looked good. He's looked he good. He has. He looked really good. I guess it does help they have the new rule where you can have a QB three on your roster without it counting. I got to be honest. Still, I
2: don't really understand the new rule. I mean I like I understand that you can get a third quarterback, but I don't really know how or why or what the
0: It's basically so you're logic. only allowed to have whatever it is, like fifty three people on but your it, top but, roster but right. But
2: my understanding is you still can only suit up two quarterbacks. So what's the point of having three if yeah, you still I don't can know. only
0: suit up two? Uh, wonderful question. One
2: That's the part that I'm confused about. Or I don't I don't even know if
0: that's true. I
2: think. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't
0: understand that. the rule. Um Is there a receiver that you have I don't know. Gained more like receiver that you're most impressed with so far in preseason. Uh,
2: I guess Justin Ross because yeah. he's actually doing it in a game now instead of being the training camp MVP again. Uh, so that's cool. But obviously, Rushy Rice was was good. Uh, it was like I said, the biggest takeaway was not the eight catches for ninety six. It was the fact that all that came after he dropped the first pass that was thrown his way, and the Chiefs went back to him and he had delivered. So. That's nice. And I was thinking about this. You know, with Andy Reid, one of the things, if you go back and look, he is the type of guy who is not afraid. He is not going to change a play if a guy is struggling. Does that make sense? Like, for instance, if Rashi Rice drops a pass or, like, that's just an example, or, like, Sky Moore. Sky Moore drops a pass. Andy Reid, he is not afraid to, later in
0: the game, Call a play designed for yeah. that player. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think you saw that pay off last year big time with with Sky Moore, for instance. Yes, exactly. you know returning punts. Exactly. Eventually, I, I, I he think, did get I pulled. Think it's a, but- yeah,
2: I think it's a it's a it's a confidence thing. It's yeah. a Andy Reed, You know, he's Andy Reid's looking at his playlist, and he he not going to shy away from calling a play because he thinks because the guy had a had a miscue earlier in the game, which I think maybe. Potentially could be kind of rare among head coaches, right? I mean, how do you not let that affect you? If the guy drops a – if you've got this great play called up for Rashi Rice and you want to call it at some point in the game, and early in the game he drops a pass, how is uh, – later in the game are you not going to think to yourself, man, I got this great play for Rashi Rice drawn up for him, but he dropped a pass earlier. I don't know, right? You have to Whereas it. Whereas yeah. Andy Reid, I think time and time again, will just call that play. Yeah. And he won't even think twice about it.
0: Yeah, it's about playing for the long game, and he does a great job of that. And yeah, there are certain times
2: where, but like, I mean, how many how many coaches do you think are wired that? Way? No, it's probably it's not. not that
0: many. Well, a lot of guys they don't feel comfortable with it, and they might think that yeah, if you make one mistake, you're done, and because I might be fired at the end of this year, right? And and you have to you have to kind of reset yourself to think more long term in that way, and give your players more freedom because then they're going to play better if they have that free mind as opposed to doing that alternative.
2: Or if they know that as a coach, you're going to keep calling plays for them, even if they have a bad play.
0: Right. There's a couple guys that are going to be kind of on the roster bubble that I don't know we're going to make it that I was impressed with. Amir Smith-Marset, they, they just have too many receivers um, with Rashi Rice, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Justin Watson, Justin Ross, um, Sky Moore, uh, Richie James. Richie James, Kadarius Tony, like the ghost of Kadarius Tony. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to keep eight receivers. You're just not. Like it's oh, no, it's a stretch yeah, no. that they're gonna even keep seven, but yes. it seems like they're gonna do it. Yeah, that seven is kind of a stretch. Like a stretch. Is. Eight is out of the question. I and Smith Marset was really good. I think Pro Football Focus had him as the best receiver graded for the Chiefs in this game. Four for ninety two and touchdown. He's probably not gonna make it. So, so that's unfortunate. Let me ask you this.
2: do you mm-hmm. think there'd ever be any consideration of expanding the roster limit?
0: I would assume so. I'd imagine if you're the NFLPA, I mean, like
2: CBA thing.
0: Yeah, it's a CBA thing. Like if you're the NFLPA, you want more roster spots. Spots one depth is good, helps with injuries. Two, that means there's more jobs. It means yeah. there's more jobs. No, to I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm imagining from. Well, then again, I wonder if this is how it goes. I wonder if this is how it goes in the negotiations. But they might want less because then there's less there's competition more money. for your and more money. Yeah, because I wonder if that's how it is. It's like. We want to add more roster like, spots yeah, and then what NFL's if they, like yeah, yeah w- we'll add more roster spots. Yeah, what if they but won't were not ra- adding cuz exactly. We're not going to raise the salary like, cap, oh. but we're
2: going to add, you know, 10 additional spots to your roster say, but the salary cap stays I'm the same. So make less money. So everyone
0: makes less. That's a good point. So maybe I don't is, know if that's yeah. part of it.
2: I don't I don't I don't, be, I don't know be. the politics of it, but I was just curious cuz like every year or at least now now that I Yeah, am, like who
0: would be opposed to it being a 60 man roster? I don't know. anybody
2: cuz like every year and now now that I've gotten older to where I pay more attention to like this type of stuff you know when I when I, when you're a younger fan and you're a kid you don't you don't care about training camp who you know who, who the 50 50th, 50th guy on the roster is but as you get older you know you start you become more of a fan you start to pay more attention to that stuff i mean every year it's the same thing where it's oh man there's a really tough decision here to cut five or six guys news flash why can't we just expand yeah i, I don't know i don't know I, i'm assuming that i'm i'm sure that question has been asked I'm sure there's plenty reasons for and for reasons why to do it and reasons why not to do it. I was just curious.
0: That's a good question. But yeah, I also like Matt Bushman. He might actually make it because with uh, Jody Fortson going on on IR or yeah, IL, really whatever sad, it's called. Because
2: I like Jody. Fo- I like Jody Fortson. Yeah, it and is sad. Uh, I don't know what his deal is, but that's sad.
0: Overall, though, for me, biggest takeaway was just I think the offensive line and the two tackle spots look really good so far. Now, yeah. like you said, Cardinals not good. They don't really have like an elite pass rusher that's going to stress you out there. Dude, I could have been the best pass rusher on the Cardinals. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: like so far, I haven't had any worries about uh, Donovan. Uh, Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith at left tackle, and uh, the name I can't remember is Smith, and Jawan <laughs> Taylor at right tackle. They've looked really good so far. So far, they've honestly looked like an upgrade from what you had last year. We'll see how that bears over into the regular season, but that's a great sign for protecting Patrick Mahomes. And um, I, yeah, I and feel I, like
2: I think there is a general sentiment that those guys could
0: be could be yes. an upgrade. Yes, and at a cheaper cost than what Orlando Brown is is has cap it this year. I don't know that the Chiefs' receivers are going to be like great, like one through three. I do think I the think Chiefs' depth of I receivers. Think it's going to
2: be one of those things where it's been this. Big talk all off season, and it's just not going to make a difference because you have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm going with this. Yeah, that's that's my thought.
0: I don't know that the one through three is going to be great. I do think that the four through seven, if you compare to like DBs four through seven, is going to give you a huge edge, and maybe that depth matters over just having multiple targets and getting through health stuff. I think it's more so just about to me that you have enough guys that are decent enough that when you combine it with what the offensive line has looked like so far, and just having Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I don't really have any worries. It's going to be totally fine. Yep. Yeah. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We got a uh, KU football superlative segment coming up next. Some more KU football player audio after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We'll have some more KU football audio coming at you later this hour here on RCST. Before we do that, though, we have our KU football superlative segment. We've got a bowl Inside the bowl, pieces of paper. I love bowls. The pieces of paper I love pieces folded of paper. up. Oh, folded up? On nice. the in, folded up piece of paper. Pen, ink. Oh, yes. Dude. Written in the ink. I love Different good, KU football superlatives. I love a good pen. Right, so I've drawn one of these random pieces of paper, and we're going to talk about it thing you feel best about with the coaching. We had the last week thing you, you had most questions about with the coaching, which was mostly, yeah. how aggressive will you be on fourth down? Yep. Uh, will Andy like you, will this be his last year with Kansas? Was is Brian Borland on the hot seat? I said no. What's Sean Snyder's role? Yeah. Um, so what do you feel best about with the coaching staff?
2: Hmm. Well, I mean, this is kind of a cop-out answer, but I'll just throw it out there a little bit. The continuity, I think, obviously, yeah. is something you got to feel really, really good about. Uh, this is a staff that has stuck together. And for KU, over the last 15 years, basically, since the Orange Bowl, they have collectively been a staff that has had a lot of turnover, mm-hmm. starting at the top with multiple head coaches. Then you look at the different coordinators they had. Then you go down to the assistants. All that has stayed the, all of that has stayed the same for Kansas. So not only are they returning a ton of production on the field, they have also maintained that off the field as well with their coaching staff, which is very, very impressive, especially in an era where – it's all about the money. Coaches want to move up, you know. There's a, you're trying to get up the coaching ladder. So the fact that you have ma- maintained, you know, your entire assistant staff, I think, speaks to the commitment from top to bottom of adequately paying all your coaches. Because obviously, if they're getting paid well, they're satisfied or they want to stay and building the culture of the program. So, coaching continuity is something I think you have to feel really, really good about for Kansas and that it's going to continue to positively impact KU. Beyond that. I think you have to look at Andy Kolnicki, and I feel pretty good about him continuing to draw up unique plays and continuing to to dip into his bag of tricks and put Kansas in position to be successful. Uh, And at the end of the day, uh, his his mind, I think, is going to help further drive KU football even further. Uh, Because when you're a team like KU where there is still a talent gap, but that talent gap is closing, that talent gap is closing, and on top of that, you have someone who's very creative and wants to get your guys in unique spots and run different plays to throw off the opponent. That should further help close that gap for KU. When you look at Brian Borland, the big thing last year that he talked about was execution. Was, we are running what we want to run, we just aren't execu- we just weren't executing. I mean, how many different press conferences did we show up to last year where, the first question was asked, and Brian Borland goes, Well, we were we did exactly what we wanted to do schematically, we just didn't execute. Yeah. It. So the question here, the question two pro- there's two prongs to that. Is the execution going to be better? And also, what will Brian Borland potentially try to add into the mix? There's been a lot of discussion around you know, utilizing linebacker blitzes, utilizing different things like that. How much will he add? Uh, which I don't know. I mean, I feel confident that. There's going to be more added to the defense schematically. The question is just how well is it going to be executed. Uh, so that's something that I'm confident in because the question was, "What are you most confident in with yes. coaching?" I'm confident that the defense is going to be adding uh, a little bit more in terms of schematically. I think, I think, I think, based on what's been hinted at on and off by different defensive coaches, whether Brian Bolin himself or some of the uh, de- defensive assistant coaches that have that have spoken to us as well, it seems pretty clear that. KU is looking to add a little bit more schematic-wise in terms of different bliss packages, uh, you know, things like that. So I'm confident it's going to be added. I just don't know how well it's going to be executed on.
0: That's a a good way to put it. And if we do go back to some of those schematic things being the issue there, what if you do add more to the plate and it is a disaster? I don't expect that to be the case. I – um, I go back to the continuity thing you mentioned at the start, and yeah. I, I think beyond like how much is that going to be worth for player development and yeah, how much exactly. better these players get exactly. Um, I, I think beyond that, uh, I like you can see with Lance Leipold, uh, we think Lance Leipold's a really good coach, and and one of the things you do as a really good coach is you tailor your scheme kind of around the players you have. We've seen that with the way that they're calling plays. But beyond that, it's knowing how and when to address deficiencies. Look at last year. Yeah. And really the last two years. KU's had deficiencies in special teams. What does Lance Lipel do? He self-evaluates. He says we need to do better in special teams. Goes out and gets kicker in Seth Keller. Goes out and gets kicker in Charlie Weinrich. Goes out and gets a punter in Damon Greaves. Uh goes out and gets Sean Snyder to help out from an analyst position with the special teams role. Yeah. Having a coach that understands those things and doesn't yeah. have an ego about it to be like, no, I'm gonna get this fixed. To be like, no, look at myself in the mirror. We need to fix something here. Like that is part of progression.
2: Yeah. Well I mean going, I feel going in that. beyond that, look at the D line. They look in the they looked in the offseason. Lance pulled and his staff. Hmm? Lonnie Phillips decides to declare. The D line is an area of need, an area of deficiency. What do they do? They go out and get literally half a dozen D line transfers. Devin Phillips, Austin Booker, Patrick Joyner, Dylan Brooks. Gauge keys to f- to shore it up. So you're absolutely right. I I think self evaluation is. I think you used the right term there. Lance Leipold it, it, I think has shown that he is a really really strong self evaluator of what do we need to do to get better. Where do we need? How do we need to improve? And then I've talked about this before on the show, but I think what's even more impressive with Lance Leipold is he's a great self evaluator, but he's also very very excellent at then going out and fulfilling those. He's he's a very very good at going out and saying. We need to do this and following through on it, right? It's one thing to be able to identify what your problems are, where you need to where you need to improve, this, that, or the other. It's another thing to consistently go out and make a concerted effort to improve those areas and show improvement in those areas. That, to me, is what's most impressive with Lance Lightbull.
0: Yeah, so I I feel good just overall about the staff. It's not really yeah. necessarily like yeah, I, think, I don't know. To me,
2: one, it's continuity. Two, it's just a good it's coaching, staff. creative coaching with Andy Kolnicki on the offense. Three, like I said, I have confidence that the defense is gonna probably add a little bit more to the repertoire. The question is what what's the turnout there? And then Lance Leipold at the helm of it all, guiding the ship. I have a lot of confidence in that as well.
0: Yeah. It's it's just knowing that you're gonna go in week out week in, week out with a good game plan and well, I mean, think about feeling it. competent. In
2: the past. yeah, exactly. In the past, if you're KU virtually every game you went into, you would give the coaching edge to the other team. Mm-hmm. Not Kansas. No, now it's like you now pretty it's, much always give it to Kansas. Yeah, now right? it's it's certainly, yeah, you'll give it to Kansas a lot more, if not a majority of the time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, you want to draw one? All right, I've been tasked with drawing one here. I I, don't, I keep shaking it in front of the mic. I don't know if anybody can hear it. Whatever. I like to do it. I don't care if you can or can't hear it. I'm going to keep doing do it. Do it for yourself. So Yeah, exactly. Do it for myself.
0: Okay. We're right. not actually doing this show for anyone. This is for ourselves. We just like talking. <laughs>
2: Most improved freshman
0: to sophomore. Ooh. So okay. Are, so first so the of all, candidates you have. Are we allowed to take red shirts? I think so. So if yeah. they're red shirt sophomore. Oh. Uh, or, I'm sorry, red shirt freshman. Yeah, all it. You will allow it. All out. Okay. Um. Let's so see. Who so who are our candidates? All right. So red shirt freshman. Well, Mikey Pauly wasn't on the team, so he doesn't count. Brian Dilworth. Okay. Be a good one. Heard good things about him. Yep. Mason Ellis. He redshirted. Okay, uh, I don't know how much Caleb Purdy's going to play. Kyle Farks. James Livingston. Same thing. Quentin Conley. <laughs> uh, okay. That's it. So from the redshirt freshman, probably Brian Dilworth would be your answer there. Gotcha. Um, let's move on. Let's see to the sophomore. But again, just, the so- just going from a redshirt freshman to a redshirt sophomore. Well, program. that's
2: what I thought you were asking, and then you took it a different way. I thought you. I thought that's what you were asking me. But yeah, I don't know. That's you- you a, a, a question question, do
0: Because if we go to that, Tanaka Scott's a redshirt sophomore. Doug Emelian's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, let's see: Gage Keys, Austin Booker. They can't count because they weren't in your program. Jason Gilliam, redshirt sophomore. Who are the true sophomores? How many are th- How many
2: are those? I don't feel like there's really that many, to be honest.
0: That's a good question. I mean, a lot of guys get redshirted. Uh, DJ Withers, by the way, and Armajreed Adams are redshirt sophomores. Okay,
2: those are both good. Obie
0: Baines, redshirt sophomore. They have so many redshirt sophomores. Tommy John, Tommy Dunn. There's a lot of redshirt sophomores. <laughs> they don't have any true sophomores. Okay, how so crazy then I guess is that? We'll
2: just look at it from the redshirt sophomore standpoint. That's okay. insane.
0: Throughout the redshirt freshman, I'm how do tired. you not have any I'm, true sophomores? I'm I'm done I mean,
2: that. It's, it's not a bad thing, but let's look at only why? the sophomores. Okay,
0: so, so let's sophomores.
2: go back to the new. Yeah, go back to the names you listed. All right, uh, Tommy so, Dunn, DJ Withers, Tanaka Scott, Reed Adams,
0: Doug Emelian, Tanaka Scott, Jason Gilliam, Jason Gilliam. Uh, Daniel Hyshaw, I guess. That's I don't know. I'm case, not counting though. him. Yeah. Because
2: he's like a fourth year. Yeah, because the injury.
0: Yeah. He's not. He doesn't count. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of good options. Here. Okay. So Tanaka Scott. I think to me. Amari Reed Adams. Okay. Tanaka Scott. It's going to be hard because if you're the fourth or fifth receiver, it's just hard to see that. There, there's an automatic opening for really three of these guys. Tommy Dunn, DJ Withers, and uh Reed Adams. Reed Adams. Okay, is it Reed Adams or Adams Reed? It used I see to, people go both ways. It used to be Adams Reed, and now it's Reed Adams. I don't know why it switched. It switched last year. His freshman year, it was Adams Reed. Hmm. Yeah, I that's think. That's why. I
2: full disclosure, I think Reed Adams falls flows off the tongue better than
0: Adams Reed. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Analysis. Okay. Anyways, I also think I, I'm pretty sure when he came in as a freshman, everybody called him Armage, and now it's our A. So it's just like by next year it'll be there'll be a new syllable in Adams there. So Reed be ready for that yeah. <laughs> okay so he's up there because it sounds
2: like he is slated to be a starter mm-hmm. which automatically qualifies him to be improved from last season because last season he was not really much i think no. he i don't maybe i don't even remember if games? he was on the
0: 2 deep at all to be honest
2: no i think he was cuz he played in some games was he a starter
0: he rotated in but no he was not a starter never started
2: yeah but this year, it sounds like he's going to be a starter, and he's a guy that has put in a lot of work physically, for off the field, from what we've heard about, in terms of losing weight, gaining strength, while keeping mobility, uh, which is very impressive. And if he's your starting left guard or your starting right guard, I don't remember which one it is, starting guard. He's right. He's automatically in position to be a guy that you could say, I mean, if he is a if he is a quality starting guard for you. That's got
0: to be the answer, right? Yes, but couldn't you say the same thing if Tommy Dunn or DJ Withers is a starting quality defensive tackle? I guess he sure, played in all but, 13 games last year. I don't know how many started. No, sure, he didn't but, start any. But
2: What I mean I guess it go I guess at that point it would come down to impact, right? Uh, I mean if Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers are two guys that are strong defensive tackles but the numbers don't show up. Whereas Armaje Reed Adams is maybe a guy who you can look at the film and say this dude's been really good. Right. He's probably your answer.
0: Well, it helps that the offense you figure to be really good, so you're going to gain some success off that. Um, yeah, that's true. And Tommy Dunn was was probably – he was rotating in, I feel like, more than Reed Adams was last year. I kind of want to go DJ Withers. Heard yeah. a lot of good things about him lately. Yeah. I'm expecting him to do I mean, really One of those well. guys – one yeah. of those
2: two, DJ Withers, Tommy Dunn, is going to be the starter.
0: But then again, I mean, our – you're talking about a 330-pound defensive tackle.
2: You mean – uh
0: Or uh, guard? offensive guard, I'm sorry. I mean, a gigantic. Like he could be a road grader because we've heard that he's really athletic, even yes. for his size. Yes. So I think that is the right. Well, at answer. one point he I'm was going to try to get at one point he was Four hundred pounds. Yeah. From what we heard. And then he went down to like two ninety something. Yeah. Now, now he's like just now he's just so like a built. chiseled two thirty. Yeah, he's just built. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year. All right, that's the answer for those. Our KU football superlatives. We got some more KU football audio coming up on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so. As you can find the show anywhere, you get your podcasts with the best of RCST Podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at at rcst1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, rcst1320am at gmail.com. That's rcst1320am at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.